everybody. This is Gene the Werewolf, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Paul Stanley, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Bobby Blotzer from Rat here, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 308 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 308, we're joined by three special guests. We have joining us from the Kiss tribute band, Mr. Speed, we have Rich, who plays the role of Paul Stanley. We have also joining us from the band Gene the Werewolf, who've been on the show a couple times in the past. We have guitarist Drew Donigan to talk about their new album. And we have joining us also a Pittsburgh native, uh, but probably most notably from Los Angeles, Bobby Blotzer of the band Rat. Uh, all three of these bands are going to be doing live shows in the Pittsburgh area and really over a good part of the country over the next few months. So thought we'd uh, get them all together and you'd enjoy hearing from all three of them. So first we're going to talk to Bobby Blotzer. Uh, they're going to be in town to do a show on June 16th at Jerkle's Rhythm Grill in Warrendale. And uh, obviously there's been a lot of news over the last few years, uh, a lot of legal news, unfortunately, about the band Rat. So we thought we'd hear from the Blots himself, uh, find out what's going on with the band and what you can expect when you go check them out. So without further ado, Bobby Blots. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show from the band Rat, we have Bobby Blotzer. Bobby, um, we're coming to you from Pittsburgh. Um, if I recall correctly, you were from the area originally. Can you talk a little bit about that? <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I'm a proud uh, native of Pittsburgh. I was born in Wilkinsburg and uh, grew up in a very Leave it to Beaver-esque kind of town when I was a young child called Turtle Creek, mm -hmm. very safe, very like 40s, 50s kind of still atmosphere, you know, and all the old houses I used to love as a kid that we lived in, and and I still have such great history and pleasure to come home and visit me, and uh, associate oh, back when you moved out, you were pretty young when you moved out of Pittsburgh, correct? Yeah, we, I moved out yeah. when I was so 12. But I, I mean, my memory is so vivid. I know where everything in the adjoining boroughs and all that sort of thing. I used to take my bike from the time I was five, six years old and just go miles from home. It was, it was quite a different yeah, period then, yeah. obviously. You know? Now, were you, were, you would have been here through the kind of the glory days of the Steelers. Did you convert to a Raiders fan? Or are you still a Steelers fan? Oh, uh, Steelers number one, always, my whole life. Uh, my dad <clears throat> worked for the, he was a grounds 
crewman for the uh, okay. Pirates. And his, bro- and his brother, my Uncle Ronnie, he was, he worked for the Steelers till the day he died. And, um, you know, when we were kids, I remember going to Forbes Field and, you know, I was really little, but I remember watching my brother playing catch with Manny Moda and Roberto Clemente and, you know, it yeah. was unbelievable, you know, to be able to, to be there and watch these guys. I mean, I knew at that age that this was very yeah. special. Yeah, I mean, just comment it. You say that name, and it, it you know everybody stops and listens. Um, so you guys are coming in. Um, you're doing a show at Jurgle. And, and I don't want to leave out Willie yeah, Stargell. Yeah, hard to leave out pops. Um, you guys are doing a show at Jurgles on the 16th. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the lineup of Rad? I know you have Juan. If I my information is correct, you have Juan back on base. Um, I'm sorry, not Juan. I'm sorry, Robbie. Juan back on base. Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't have Juan wash my car, okay? Sorry about that. <laughs> Robbie, who was with you guys for all those years, um, you know, throughout. Yeah. Robbie is back. It's amazing. And, and, you know, I got Josh Allen. is our fabulous and great, intense. Everybody loves him and this band so much. This band plays the rap music and the catalog better than rap could do it, hands down. hate to say it, but it's the truth. You know, they're young, they're aggressive, they're hungry, they <clears throat> are dedicated, and the integrity of the music is number one on our priority list. And we put a great show on. Josh Allen, Lee Buckles, Doc Ellis on Rhythm Leads, and Blaze, 20 year old guitar expert in mm-hmm. Blaze. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's he goes by the name Blaze. His name's Nicholas, but <clears throat> amazing guy. Does the, the Warren solos note for note. Really exciting. How, uh, after all the turmoil the band has been through in the courts and things, how refreshing is it to get out and play the songs you love and know without the BS? <clears throat> you know. Well, there is still the BS right. going on. But at least not on the tour bus. D Martini, D Martini's been suing me, and he's he's a fifty percent shareholder in this company. I'm out making unbelievable guarantees on this tour that we're doing, we're going to, you know, we're going to make, well, let's just put it this way, this is going to be a banner year for Rat, and, uh, you know, Warren, he's losing every step of the way, he's disappeared, we haven't heard from him and his lawyer since the beginning mm-hmm. of March, I'm hoping he's got his sense, sense and his, you know, his, his brain together and going away, um, sadly, I had to go after Juan Cruciate for trademark infringement. <clears throat> our old manager, you know, stole our passwords to all of our social media. I had to go after him. I asked him to please give it to the court. He refused, and then, you know, he's he's subsequently going to go down in flames in this lawsuit. You know, he's already in, he's already, uh, you know, he went into default on several different levels. He didn't answer to the lawsuit. He didn't answer to discovery. So it's just a matter of what the court's going to hit him with on a, judgment right. level you know look I don't like all this stuff it's not something I brought on all I want to do is right. work I put 36 years into this this band and if those guys are too mentally dis- disabled to do business over little petty childish childish ego driven stupidity it's not you, know, you can't make it my problem I own 50% of the name it was well within my right mm. to it. 
and it was a big a big decision to do because you know being the drummer but you know and I'm a I think I'm a a very well known component in this band I know I've written on every single song I know what my input in this band is and I'm proud right. of it you know but it's a big thing for a drummer to take the band out and then you know tour it but the people that are coming to see us you know they get what we're doing man they see how much better it is than the original right. rap Steven cannot sing anymore Warren is just not into right. it at all I mean he stands up there and doesn't even move I mean I can go on and on and, and pick at what you know <clears throat> my perspective perception of rat was and has been and you know nobody was willing to fix that we don't work on stuff we don't you know we were going to enter our sixth year of of a strike that was going on you know that steven and walk steven pierce and walk crucier you know one pretty much initiated that and, and jockeyed steven into that and it was just a quagmire and i was like you know what life is you know going really quick I'm 57 right now, and I want to tour. And I'm in, I my legacy is Rat, and that's it, man. I'm out playing our songs, our hits, and the people love what we're mm -hmm. doing. Some people, you know, bitch and moan about it, but you know, my position is if you don't like it, don't come. But if you haven't seen it, come see it, then bitch right. about it. But you're not going to because everybody that comes to our shows, I go out, I meet them. They are so blown away it's a trip man it's like the the vibe to me is very reminiscent when i go out whether it's a festival an arena when we meet people you know when i go out they are just like they're like man i'm telling you bobby this is i haven't seen rat sound this good no disrespect to rat i'm a lifetime fan you know but this is unbelievable this banding assemble I'm just like thank you so much you know I appreciate yeah, that yeah it is it's, it's very I think it's very easy for people to get on you know the metal gossip sites and criticize it um, you know but it's not yeah. their livelihood you know I mean you, you write a good point you know this is your livelihood this is your job this is the company that you worked for you know since 1980 whatever you know just because other people don't want to do it anymore doesn't mean you can't you know or shouldn't well, it's just like, it's really simplistic, you know. I mean, I get certain people's frustration. It ain't right, it ain't right. Well, dude, you can look at 50 bands out there that have one member, two members, mm -hmm. maybe three at the time. I mean, it's just, it's just so commonplace now. You know, we're all getting older. Guys are not wanting to tour. They're quitting. They're dying. I mean, it's a combination of stuff. So my position is, look, you know, we're not putting a rope around your neck and dragging you to mm. the gig. You want to come out and hear rat songs, play kick mm. ass, and have a good time with it, then come see us, because we're the only game. And people that have seen Steven's YouTube stuff and then Juan's out there singing lead vocals, it's just, that to me is so, that's the destruction of rat, is those two jokers yeah. and what they're doing. However, I do recognize they have the right to do mm. that. They wrote the songs too. We all wrote them together. We all made this what it was. But Juan, you know, he's been on the band for 20 years. And he's out here lying in the clerk, you know, trying to claim that he never knew that WBS Inc., which is the corporation that governs Rat's business and business affairs and has since 97. And he was notified when he was expelled from when we closed Rat the Partnership, the original um, 
corporation. Right. You know, we closed that. We reformed. We restructured under WBS Inc. One came back and worked for us in 2013. Got paid. I mean, there's such a giant paper trail for him, and, and he's lying to the court saying he doesn't know. He never knew. He's going to be a big man, and it's. You know, when when he gets when he gets that judgment handed down and it's seven hundred thousand dollars, he can you know I'm, my conscience is clean, man. I begged him not to do. Just take the logo down, right. Juan. You don't own the logo. You know, you try in two thousand six when we were trying to get him back in. We had we had three months right. of meetings, you know, and in those meetings, along with other management people, and so many people were privy to the meetings where he was saying, "I want to be one of the owners of WBS." And I want to own 25% of the name, you know, because there was only the four of us right. original up. And we were going to do that, and at the last minute, after three months, he's like, oh, and I want $280,000 for the years that I was cut. It's like, years. I told the guys, I go, I told you. And then I told them when they rejoined, with, when he, they, Stephen Warren wanted him back in 2013, I go, he'll break the band up. I know Juan better than anybody. You know, we grew up in the same neighborhood. We were in bands together when I was 16 and he was 15. You know, we've, I mean, I know the guy like I know my sons right. and brothers. Exactly. You know what I mean? He's just a, he's a megalomaniac and he's, he's very disruptive. But, um, you know, the, I mean, the positive side of this is the band is so great and we got so many shows. We're playing huge shows. We, you know, we drew, 10,000 people in Phoenix. We drew 8,500 in yeah, Tucson. Those are unheard of. You know, it's amazing. It, you know. It's, a, it's a trip. It's a trip. It's I'm very thankful to God and to the fans for coming out and to my band members, you know, we're, that everybody, we are so folks, we're so dedicated, more so than ever than Rat was ever. I mean, I, I can't even you know, put it, articulate it, and, you know, it's just a diff, it's so yeah. amazing. I think it, it, yeah. one of the things that, that made it tough for a lot of fans, Infestation was such a, I think a welcome album, a really fantastic record, you know, people really enjoyed it. You guys seemed to be kind of pulling it all together, and then it just, as you said, Juan came back, and it all just kind of fell apart, you know, so it kind of left people a little flat. But, um, when you guys do the show, uh, do you guys kind of go through the entire catalog of Rat, or do you stick you know, primarily the invasion and out of the cellar. How do you spread out the tracks? So the uh, set list. Do you do you primarily work off invasion and out of the cellar, or how do you put the set list together for your shows? Well, I, I you know when I came out and did this, my whole thing was to to, to construct a long list of including. All, a lot of stuff that no one ever we've never played and stuff that I think people would mm -hmm. like to hear you know that we never play you know as it went along you know the set was I felt like it was too long um, and I also felt like there was a lot of stuff that were, was kind of going over a lot of people's heads right. you know and I had to just kind of trim mm -hmm. it up so there are some you know some deep cuts in there but you know I stick to the bigger sure. hits and and that's a, you know, I mean, that's you can't get away from it. Man. No, I, mean, I mean, that's people want to hear the video songs. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, absolutely. It I mean, that's that's a, it's a blessing and a curse, I think, for any band with with hits. And you guys were blessed to, 
you know, the MTV era of, of metal kind of embraced your band. You guys, you know, looked the part and made great videos. And, you know, that's why people remember the name. So you certainly can't fight that. But, Bobby, I want to thank you so much. You guys are coming in doing a show at Jurgles in Warrendale on the 16th. And uh, your tour dates are on uh, your website, which is ratwebsite.com. You can go to the tour dates and check those out. Yes. And, and Facebook, 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 Rat, Facebook, Rat, the official Rat Facebook is our Facebook awesome. thing. And we do a long set, dude. You know, we do 19 tunes, and uh, we have a lot of different stuff show-wise. That's the greatest thing for me because I get to commit, you know, being the ringleader mm -hmm. of this thing now. Before, I would have ideas all the time, all the time. I, all, my mind's always trying to do something new and better and get something, you know. And I couldn't even get a sentence out with the other guys. I'd say, hey, listen, I know this really cool idea I think would work, be awesome. And I wouldn't even be halfway to getting it out more more and would be like, yeah, I don't think so, bad. Let's just stick yeah. to the set. You know, it's like, can I fucking finish my sentence? Seriously. On this, these guys are so open-minded, man. It's really easy, and we do a lot of fun stuff, and the fans get a big kick out yeah. of it. So... It sounds like it sounds like you get a kick out of it as well, which has got to be a welcome break. Yeah, I do. And, and you know what, John? If you come, if you're coming to the show, come up and say hi. Will you? Certainly, we'll do that. Thank you so much, Bobby. I appreciate the time, man. Already again, a big thanks to Bobby Blotzer, uh, former Pittsburgher and still Steeler fan at heart, for coming on the line again. They're going to be coming in June 16th, Warrendale, PA to Jurgles Rhythm Grill uh, with his uh, new incarnation of Rat. So, check that out. Uh, Rat, obviously, an awesome band. Uh, from the 80s, a lot of great material, so it should be a fun night. Um, we're going to turn our attention to another really kind of fun band uh, from Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. They've got an album that is on its way out on June 17th. They're going to be doing the premiere show at the Altar Bar in Pittsburgh. The band is Gene the Werewolf. Uh, Gene the Werewolf, uh, we've had members on the band, I believe, twice over the years. Uh, we're joined this time by Drew Donegan to talk about the new album, The Loner. Drew is the guitarist of the band, and... Uh, Really very fun album. Uh, we talk a lot about that in the interview. You know, a lot of material music these days very serious. Uh, it's almost not cool for bands to have fun music with the exception of country music. So The Loner from the very first notes, a very fun record. So here's the title track from the album The Loner, and we're going to talk to Drew Donigan of Gene the Werewolf. And I told her that she just don't understand Now she's moving on to reach her destination To give her cheating heart to another man
Gene the Werewolf, we have Drew Donegan on the line. How are you doing, Drew? Good, John. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. You guys, um, obviously from my hometown of Pittsburgh, uh, but making kind of a splash internationally. Um, if I recall, the last time we talked, um, you guys had signed with Frontiers out of Italy, uh, and you've got a great, yep. new re- great new record uh, coming out, if I can call it a record, um, coming out <laughs> in just a couple of weeks. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how things have been going with the band, and then we'll dive into kind of how the new album has been. I know you guys just did a show with uh, Steel Panther and, and Blackstone Cherry. Yes, yeah, both great shows. Um, yeah, the band has been like it's been crazy. It's been a crazy time for us since the the Frontiers thing. That that all kind of just came out of left field for us. Mm-hmm. So it kind of caught the band by surprise. Didn't anticipate that at all. Um, those guys over there were great, but it was only a uh, one-off record deal with them. Okay. So we kind of knew that it, it was going to come and go, and then we'd go back to our, you know, doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of, when, when Frontiers put out the last record, it was kind of a combination of the previous two independent releases that we did, Light Me Up and Wicked Love. Right. And they kind of made like a, a greatest hit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... I guess that, you know, moving forward from that, um, we felt a little bit of pressure to, to, to try and outdo ourselves from, from that. And, you know, the, at the same time when Frontiers released, um, our last, our last album re-released those two albums, DVE was spinning, I only want to rock and roll. So it was like all these really kind of cool things kind of were happening at that time. And now it was kind of, you know, looking yourself in the mirror and being like, Oh, how do we, beat that or how do we outdo that absolutely so that's whenever we started writing for the loner um and we wrote a ton of songs for for this album probably on the higher side of the 20s you know 20 25 okay. 30 um and it's kind of landed us to where we are today after the recording process so we're excited right. about it we think it's a great album you know yeah i, I concur i mean the the, the variety of music you've got on the album is really good you know the first couple songs have you know what i consider sort of your signature sound but then as you get into the album you've got a lot of different flavors in there um yeah make it you know it's not just 11 songs that are exactly the same kind of cookie cutter you know because i mean when i think when i think gene the werewolf i think of you know you guys have always had sort of an acdc sort of drive to the music with almost like a maurice gibbs vocals and uh but you do mix in a lot of different flavors of some really i have to say awesome harmonica work and awesome piano work on the album as well that um yeah those are definitely some different flavors that we were looking to add from the beginning just to diversify the mm-hmm. the band a little bit and and 
and also kind of speak to some of the things that we're into personally. Right. Um, you know, I'm a huge clutch fan, so the heavy, big blues riffs and the harmonica and stuff kind of came from that world. And and John loves Rolling Stones, so the ragtime kind of playful piano stuff and mm. jangly guitar parts kind of came from that. Um, so we're just kind of showing a couple different looks that maybe people haven't seen or expected from the band. I'm glad you picked up on that because that was something that we set out to do because I do think that everyone thinks, Hey, even like when we were talking to managers and stuff, when we were on the, doing the frontiers deal, mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, yeah, you do the ACDC thing pretty well. And it's just like, well, I don't want to just be that band, Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's more to it than that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah we it- tried to move on. That's cool. You mentioned the Stones. I actually, you know, in my head when I was listening to you know some of the piano work, that kind of honky tonk piano, I was thinking of a Billy Powell from Leonard Skinner sort of feel to some of that, and uh, yeah, it was a little more diverse. In, in but it's still you've got those awesome kind of songs that that I enjoy because you find yourself you're in the second chorus and you're singing along already. You know, first first listen, you know, second chorus, you're right there and you know the words. And there's something that's you know, awesome, man. You know, oddly comfortable about that. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, you guys aren't doing a Dream Theater album, is you know, for something different <laughs> on this. But uh, let me ask you this: I, I have to admit, on the leadoff track, you've got Red Beach on there. Um, did he do both solos, or was it, I, I'm guessing the outro solo was was his? Yeah, so he he took both of them, um, both right before the the breakdown bridge area mm-hmm. and, and also the outro section. Mm-hmm. John and him actually kind of became um, pretty close. Uh, John being Gene mm-hmm. uh, became pretty pretty close as Reb had asked John to front the Reb Beach project. So when he's playing out solo, John uh, is his lead singer um, okay. for for that. So that's kind of where where that came from. And uh, they were introduced through DVE um, when when DVE was spinning the single. Reb had heard it and asked the guys at the station who's the singer and then they kind of pair them too and it, it's been a cool thing i know that john has loved the opportunity of, of singing with reb and uh, i go see i've seen them play a few times and they're phenomenal what a what a powerhouse group for just three musicians and john to be making all that noise up there i mean yeah it's it's really something but he's reb is a, an amazing player i mean when, when i was listening to what he did um, just on our record, just the raw, the raw guitar track. It, it almost, as a player myself, like I don't even know how he does some of that. <laughs> yeah, he starts doing that string skipping, tapping thing, and you just kind of yeah, the sweeping and stuff like that on the guitar. Like it just doesn't even seem human, but yeah, he does it with ease. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys that you just kind of put the guitar down. You know, there's some guitarists that inspire you to pick the guitar up, and some inspire you to put it away. I think he's in that <laughs> second second bag. Yeah, you nailed it, man. It's like oh, I don't even want to play in the same room as this guy. Like I'm glad I don't have to be on stage with him. <laughs> yeah, now live, do you have to co- make it look bad? Do you try to cop the solos live then, or what do you do there? So we. Uh, we have a session guitarist that that plays out with us live. It's it's been a combination of two different guys over over time who are pretty well versed. You know, I wouldn't want to say that anyone could nail Reb's solos note for note, but um, it we do do our best to recreate it in the live element with having 
a session player who who has those types of chops and right. they you know that that person's always with us so john and i i always you know kind of tease us because as the sole you know original guitarist from gene the werewolf both of us grew up in punk rock mm-hmm. um like when, when you know everyone was into rock and roll i think through their childhood and then when everyone got instruments and like late junior high and, and high school uh everyone's in the punk rock and I, I specifically myself john john could speak to his own playing but for me i was like man i wish that i would have been into good music when i first started playing a, you know the guitar because i feel like i was so much better off than being just in i learned a lot about songwriting from punk rock but I wish that I would have. I wish I would have kept my chops up to where they need to be to play this type of music because it is, you know, yeah, some some of the the lead stuff out there. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I've always felt like I grew up at the wrong time to be a guitarist because I grew up, you know, in the '80s. I picked up the guitar, you know, in the in the mid to late '80s, and I always felt so inferior, you know, to the Red Beaches and the Steve Eyes of the world that it was right. kind of like. I suck, but then I would listen to the Sex Pistols and the Ramones and bands like that that I did enjoy as well, and I think I wish I would be really into those bands because I could go and play <laughs> yeah. that. The music I love, yeah. I I suck at, yeah. you know. So I, I well, that, I, I double sided coin there, I guess. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. I remember being like, you know, I got into music really, really young and being like six, seven years old and like mm-hmm. loving Guns N' Roses and seeing Slash and you know those guys and being like well that's untouchable like that guy's a rock star right. I'll never be that guy but then like you know the Ramones and Rancid and you know mm-hmm. things like that popped up and I was like well wait a second like I could actually do this yeah. <laughs> you know so then being a carbon copy of, uh, of punk rock and things like that no problem but going back like when we started Gene everyone was like let's do this classic rock band and it will be way left of center from anything that any of our bands have done prior mm-hmm. and you know a pretty fresh look for the city is no one was really kind of doing that at the time either yeah, and um you know i was like oh man i'm gonna have to get brush up on my chops here because <laughs> yeah. this is different you know you bring up, but you bring it's up been a lot a, of fun a really interesting point when you know when you put this band together because i remember um, when I first talked to John, you know, a guy getting on the phone and, and almost getting into character, um, and, and thinking, well, this is kind of unique for you know, a, <laughs> you know, at the time, an unsigned band, um, you know, from my hometown, was did you guys kind of have this vision of what you were to be now, you know, ten years ago or whenever you first started the band, or did it kind of morph and you kind of winged it, I guess, for lack of a better it, term. We, we, yeah, we were. We had the so the general like, you know, structure was there. We knew we wanted to be you know this loud kind of crazy over the top rock band that was going to be fun and kind of bring that element back in because when we were kicking around the idea in like 2005 2006, there wasn't a whole lot of things out there that were fun that make you laugh and have a good time, you no, know, party no. music. So, so yeah, we wanted to do that and. Um, the music has changed i would i would say a fair amount like on on the first album there's some you know wacky synth type songs on there and right. you know songs that even you know have a little like disco chord structure type stuff in there um the the music was a little popular a little dancier and now it has gone you know 
full full blown you know rock and roll i think and right. and that's kind of just been us actually finding i think finding what it is that we're good at and yeah. kind of finding our footing and in, in making the most of what we feel comfortable at and what we're good at and that that's kind of the loner i think more than anything because even when we did wicked love the second album we were still kind of figuring out what was going to work for us and now i feel like that's why like this record is exciting and important to us because it's like well i think we finally you know i wouldn't you know i don't know if i could say these are the best songs we ever wrote because maybe the best song to me is not the best song of somebody else but it's the most it's easy to be proud of this because it's like well the idea is fully realized at this point so yeah and that's something I don't think I'll take back because people will always say it's our best song and then the next record's the best songs and then the next record's yeah. the best songs, you know? But we're proud of this because it's, it's the idea is there and, and right. you know, like I said, it's fully realized. And it, it is interesting, you know, to point out the fun aspect of it because that's something that, you know, th- again, I, I don't want to sound like an old timer, but in the 80s, you know, bands sang about fun things and then we went through, you know, in my head, 20 years of kind of like you know heroin rock where everybody was kind of depressed right. and you know and it's you know I listen you know as you're hitting seek on the radio you know you hear country songs that you know they sing about you know fun things and it, almost more than rock you know we all used to make fun of country that everyone was singing about their dog dying and their wife leaving them but anymore it's what you know somewhat modern rock is sort of going that way so it's, it's I almost refreshing. totally agree yeah, I totally agree. And the country thing is interesting that you say that. I guess I've never really thought of that, but I mean the 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 party Friday night beer thing is all mm-hmm. over that stuff, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and, and not that so that's many... all, for all, all the time, right? You know, not yeah. I guess that music isn't, you know, no one wants to hear Friday night on Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's a place and time for this music and not a whole ton of people do it. Even like you know, modern radio at this point. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not listening to the classic rock station, a lot of it is deep stuff, man. And yeah. like I said, I like some of that music too. But th- this was strictly, you know, Gene the Werewolf is strictly set out to to kind of revitalize mm-hmm. that aspect of having fun and partying and enjoying music. Yeah. I, I c- couldn't, you know, stress that enough. That's yeah, that's there really what this project has been about. There's certainly a time and the place for, for tools of the world, and I think there's times that, you know, you kind of want to shift gears. It's a sunny day, you want to throw something on the car and jam while you're driving along. You know, you right. want something a little bit more up-tempo, a little happier, dare I say, uh, and you right. guys fit that and well. Yeah, something that, like, re- like being in a, in a band that plays out live and mm-hmm. gets to do this type of music, I've been in heavy bands, hardcore bands, well, that stuff's fun, and the the aggressiveness of it is mm-hmm. is a you know its own charge. Yeah. Being in a you know like a party feel good band um, and getting to play out live, I mean that's a real joy. There's yeah. it's it's hard to even speak to it because I think we're having fun. People could see that, and and you could see it coming back. You know, mm-hmm. and it it's approachable in that sense, um, especially when when people are out because regardless if it's a Tuesday night or Saturday night, if a person's out seeing a live concert, generally speaking, they're there to have a good time. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of an easy sell for us, uh, right. and we get a lot out of it because of you know the feel-good aspect of the band. Awesome. 
Well, you guys are releasing the album June 17th, am I correct? And you're doing a show That's at Ultra Bar that night? Yeah, okay. people release about... records on Fridays now. <laughs> yeah, I'm still getting used to that. I'll, I'll be waiting for it on Tuesday. Yeah, but, um, me too. <laughs> the show you're doing, you just have one support act that night, or, or do you have that all so, figured so out yet? There's two support acts, yeah. Um, the first being a band called Millie, um, and that is Joe Gershecki's son's Johnny's okay. band. Okay. Um, I'm sure he hates being pinned like that, but <laughs> the yeah. listener base may know John, uh, Joe Gershecki. Um, Certainly. So his his son's band is the opening act, and they're really good. Cool band. Um, a rock band, but with, you know, maybe more modern rock, something that would be you know, well paired on the X here in town. Sure. Um, and, and then the second band is a band that I'm unfamiliar with, but the promoter had introduced us to and they're called Walkney, and they're from Altoona. And these guys kind of blew me away um, in a sense that they're a brand-new band, and they played a show in Altoona at, like, kind of like a small arena and and did, like, you know, like 3,000 people at this one show. And I was like, wow, who are these guys? You know, it's kind of coming out of left field. I remember Gene tried getting hot like that right off the top, and we were able to pack Diesel or, you know, Right. Um, the altar bar, but those are 600 spot rooms, not 3,000, you know? Yeah, so, those are market, um, marketing majors, yes. Yeah, yeah, right? Um, so that kind of grabbed my attention, and you know, they're a good band. Um, again, a lot like Millie in, in the way. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us to find bands to play with, man. Like, um, when, when when we get the, the out of town, you know, the national stuff, or we're mm-hmm. supporting Steel Panther or the Darkness, or Blackstone Cherry or anything like that, that that's incredible. I feel like those are really good fits, but playing with local bands, man, I think it speaks to our originality in some aspects, yeah. you know, that no one else is doing it, but man, is it hard to, <laughs> to pair ourselves well with bands that do what we do because yeah. it's just, there's not a whole lot of them. But the show is solid. It's going to be awesome. Um, we're excited. We're going to play. You know, we're always in these support situations where we are playing a half hour to 45 minutes so for us to get out there and kind of strut our stuff for an hour and some change is going to be fun and play some songs we never play and it will be a fresh fun night i think for the band hopefully we don't drink too much because we're going to be more to remember than the regular set (laughs) yeah exactly you gotta be able to cop that that uh solo yeah all right right, folks so again the the album loner will be out on um you're gonna have it on itunes and and i'm sure on your website and etc so yeah and the show tickets are available, I believe that's ticketfly.com for that show at Alter Bar. And Drew, I want to thank that's you, man, for, for coming on the show. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, again, the loner from Gene the Werewolf comes out June 17th. They're going to be doing a show at Alter Bar uh, in the Strip District of Pittsburgh, PA. Um, they've done shows, as we mentioned in the interview, with Steel Panther and um, Blackstone Cherry recently, and you can check them out all over the city of Pittsburgh doing great shows, opening up for a lot of great national acts. And won't be long, I think, before we'll see that band doing pretty nice treks across the country themselves. We're going to turn our attention now to another uh, band, a very fun band that uh, are related to one of my personal favorites. I think anybody who listens to the show knows that I am a member of the KISS Army. Uh, Paul Stanley has graced our show in the past. Uh, Tommy Thayer has been on twice now. 
Um, we've had Bruce Kulik on. This time we're going to go a little different route. We're going to be joined by Rich of the band Mr. Speed. I think if you're a KISS fan, you've obviously heard of the band Mr. Speed. They're going to be coming in to do a show in Irwin, Pennsylvania on June 11th at a place called The Lamp. So I thought it was a really uh, time. We've had Pink Floyd tribute bands. We've had Led Zeppelin tribute bands on the show in the past. Let's talk about one of my favorite bands, KISS. Uh, find out what makes their show so special. So without further ado, from Mr. Speed, here's Rich. And I say welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, my great pleasure to welcome to the show from the band Mr. Speed. We have Rich on the line. How you doing, Rich? John, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you for, for joining us. You guys are coming in to Irwin, Pennsylvania to do a show on the 11th. Um, it's a lamp. Uh, you play the role of the star child, I guess, is the political way to call the roles of the band Kiss. Um if I'm not mistaken, you've been kind of nationally acclaimed as one of the greatest KISS tribute bands out there, so I wanted to get a chance, KISS being probably my favorite band, uh, to chat with you about the band. So how did you get the ball rolling? How did did, did Mr. Speed kind of take flight? Well, it really happened uh, by a chance meeting between myself and the original ace in the band um, at a record show uh, coincidentally, in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, back in 1993. Okay. And because I'm originally from uh, the Pittsburgh area, I'm from Avalon. Okay. And so, having grown up there, I met a guy named Mike. And turns out, before the end of that day was over at that record show, he and I exchanged phone numbers. And before long, we were um, jamming uh, at his house in Swissvale. Uh, just the two of us on guitars. He was He's a very, very good guitar player, and I at the time was not. So uh, he he and I got together, and for about six months, we started playing Kiss tunes. And the concept for Mr. Speed was never to be a Kiss tribute band. It was only to be Mike and I playing guitars onto a cassette tape. Okay. And here, here I am 22 years later in what – a lot of KISS fans consider to be one of the best KISS tribute bands around. And, you know, in 2012, we competed against over 200 KISS tribute bands in a contest that was judged by Tommy Thayer. And Tommy um, crowned us to be the best KISS tribute band on that day. So that's something no one can ever take away from us. And I'm very, right. very proud uh, of all the work that I've put into it, not only as a musician, but also as a KISS fan. Now, um, you know, when I think of, of playing the role of Paul, um, you know, obviously guitar player, but the vocals, um, not an easy guy to sing. Um, and I know from, you know, what I've listened to of your music, you do it very, very well. Um, were you always a singer or is this something you had to kind of learn to do? Well, you know what? When I was very young, I was involved in my grade school choir. Uh, as I got into high school, I was in the high school choir as well. My my dad sang barbershop music for over 40 years. So there okay. was always there was always singing um, in our house. You know, he would bring his, his quartet over for practice um, at least once a month. So I was always around that. And I always, I think, without realizing it, I was being influenced by that. Plus, you know, growing up, I I like to think that I was listening to some pretty good singers. Um, I like to cite a couple of people, uh, Steve Perry of Journey, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ann Wilson of Heart, 
um, Michael Michael Sweet of Striper. Uh, these yeah. are all people. These are all people that I still very much admire and listen to uh, from a vocal standpoint. Um, and there's a lot of other people too, but those are the ones that I, I really hold, you know, uh, in, in very high esteem as far as being very good vocalists. Um, so if you listen to some of our early performances, you know, maybe I didn't have the right inflection, but I definitely had the uh, the um, the drive to want to try. Mm-hmm. And then as the years went on, I think I developed more more of a uh, uh, not, I don't want to say casual approach to the vocals, but I, I got more comfortable with what I needed to do by listening to Paul, and his range changed from the 70s to the 80s, 90s, and even today his range is different. So sure. um, I just tried to adapt myself. I learned some tricks. I just listened to him a lot and tried to inflect the certain words that he, he uses inflections on. I try to do the same thing. And you just develop a, a better style uh, or something that maybe works most easily with uh, doing Kiss songs. Okay. Now, um, I, I've always kind of wondered this with, with bands who contribute. And, you know, Kiss, Kiss hasn't put out a, a flood of new music, but obviously they've released a few albums over the last 10 years or so. And I think a lot of people criticize Kiss because their set list doesn't change. You know, that's probably one of the things that, you know, you go to see Kiss, you know you're going to see probably nine songs specifically every time. Do you get kind of tired of those songs? Do you guys mix it up a little more and pull some of the, you know, Hot in the Shade or some, you know, Odd Dynasty track? Um, does it stay fresh for you? Well, John, I'll tell you, um, since the very first time that Mike and I got together, and considered doing any KISS songs, and then especially when we wanted to put together our own KISS tribute band, our number one rule has always been to play the deep cuts or the rarely performed KISS songs because that was always our thing. Um, Any KISS tribute band or any four guys to get together and call themselves a KISS tribute band can play KISS Alive and KISS Alive 2. Sure. But if, if you want to test yourself and you want to see what you're made of and see if you can really, really, you know, perform as a band, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that performing Detroit Rock City with a certain vibe and energy doesn't take talent and ability because it does. And mm-hmm. I'll get back to that in a moment if you'll remind me about it. But, sure. yes, we've always been about playing, you know, Save Your Love or our our namesake song, Mr. Speed. Um, right. Room service, uh, magic touch, sure know something. Any of right. the songs that we love as as fans, because we always tell ourselves it's got to be fun for us. Because if it's not fun for us, it's certainly not going to be fun for the crowd. Right. Yeah, and I've I've always wondered, you know, I mean, look at those guys. And any band is is you know that's been around for thirty, forty, you know, years. It sometimes hits are a blessing and a curse. You know, if you go to see, you know, let's say Extreme, for example, they're not probably going to do a show without playing more than words. But, you know, probably, probably nice they don't want to play it. You know, mm-hmm. it would be nice to, to uh, you know, throw deep tracks in. And Kisses, I think, you know, the diehard Kiss fans are constantly clamoring for, you know, if somebody wants to hear I or something like that. 
Um, and I, I wondered, as a musician, I mean, you guys probably have a little more leeway to do that. You know, people aren't going to, you know, be irate at you if they come see you and you, you don't do Love Gun, maybe, for example. Uh, right. You know, and, and, and I, we, I would personally get a kick out of it. You know, I'd love to hear, you know, someone do, that's the kind of sugar Papa likes or something. You know, I think that would be really kind of neat. Of course. You know, John, there was, we played a, an expo in Philadelphia back in 1997, and I think it was the longest show we ever performed as Mr. Speed. I think when it was all said and done, I, and I, this is no lie, I think we did 37 songs. Okay. It was ridiculous. That's- I mean, I mean, it seemed like it was never going to end. And the reason for that was we, when we get the opportunity to play a KISS Expo, we feel as though we're playing for the real fans. So why shouldn't we flex our muscle a little bit and play yeah. some things that the fans want to hear and we want to play? Um, mm-hmm. That's the perfect opportunity for us to do that. Now, you know, um, you know, when we do a normal show like a festival or a, a club show, the people that are coming out, they're not necessarily the people that have been sitting in their rooms like, you know, probably you and I were when we were kids with posters all Absolutely. over the walls, the curtains drawn, no light coming in, and, you know, watching the, the vinyl spin on the turntable, you know? Amen. Um, but so to that point, like this show coming up this Saturday in Irwin, PA, we're, we're going to play, the majority of the songs are going to be classic hits. But we are sure. going to mix in. We are going to mix in two songs that you know we really want to do. Um, right. One of one of which is you know a uh, a real deep track that you know Kiss never performed live that I'm aware of um, electrically. I, I know they've played it acoustically, but not electrically. Okay. And that's yeah. That's got to be fun to kind of be able to throw in those those kind of gems. You know, as a fan of the band. Um, let me ask you about the legality of this. Um, do do you get flack? I mean, you know, obviously there's tribute bands. I mean, the Australian Pink Floyd band, and there's, you know, 18 million permutations of Led Zeppelin tribute bands. And obviously with publishing, you know, as long as, you know, you're playing paying the royalties on the songs correctly. But is there any backlash on the, the makeup and the trademark, you know, kind of thing? Do you ever have any problems in that arena? No, and, and I'll tell you why, because as the leader of Mr. Speed, um, and pretty much for a long time now, I've taken what we do as a KISS tribute very, very seriously. Um, I have a friend that works for the band who was actually hired by Paul Stanley. He's uh, one of their webmasters. Um, he does you know things along, along that line. His, his name mm-hmm. is Keith Rue, and, and Keith... Keith and I have become very good friends over the past 15, 18 years. And because of my relationship with Keith and because of my respect for KISS, I won't do anything that, you know, where we color outside the line, so to speak, with okay. our tribute to KISS. Um, we, we make our own costumes, but we try to make them as close to the real thing as humanly possible. I mean, my costume alone is over $8,000. Okay. Now, if you think about the Halloween costumes that Kiss made available a few years back that you could buy for like 450 bucks, right? Uh, there's quite a difference between the Halloween costume and the costume that I will wear at my shows. Um, okay. You know, we pay particular attention to detail. We find seamstresses that we can work with, 
that we won't put into a padded room whenever we're done with a project because we've actually made some of these people nuts because we're right. so we're so anal about wanting things the right way. Um, mm-hmm. In February, in February, I flew to Los Angeles and met with a bootmaker who I I found um, online, which was just a, a stroke of luck. Um, and I paid two thousand dollars to have a pair of platform boots made. So it's just because, you know, when what what people need to realize, the fans need to realize when they come to see us, we're fans just like they are. We just take it to the unhealthy level by wearing the costumes and the makeup. Yeah, that, your, your your level seems to be to the divorce level almost. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what, John? I am actually divorced because of this. <laughs> I bet you're not alone. I bet, honestly, bet you're not alone in that, in that arena. I'm sure um, that I'm No. Now, as Paul, obviously being a spokesman, um, and a lot of uh, diehard Kiss fans, you can go to a show and, and you can almost say what he's going to say before he says it. Um, sure. Do you try to stick to the, you know, the script, should I say, in between tracks? You know, um, sometimes I do, and I would say 95% of the time I don't. And I think because... I'm not Paul. Uh, I'm I'm rich. So when I get up there, I think I know enough uh, Paul Stanley-isms that I can make it convincing to you when you're watching and listening to me that, yeah, you, you could think to yourself, yeah, I've heard Paul say that. Or, you know, I, I was watching a video the other day, and, and, and I saw Paul do something that was really close to that. Because right. we want to be able to – we want you to be able to close your eyes and have the music sound like the record. And when you open your eyes, we want you to be able to be reminded of any point in your life when you may have seen Kiss, whether it was a photo in a magazine or one of the Kiss movies or you actually got to see them in concert or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you combine both of those things, we just want that roller coaster experience of of Kiss because I remember the first time I saw them, it was for the, the commercial on television for the Kiss radio. Okay. And when the radio exploded... I was just like, what in the world is this? Yeah, I, I want was, that, yeah. Yeah, it was a Saturday afternoon. I can remember it as clear as yesterday. And then I ended up meeting a friend on who whose family had moved on to my street. And when I got to know this kid a little bit, you know, I was invited, invited over to his house. He had the U.S. tour poster on his bedroom wall. Okay. So here I'm seeing the commercial for the KISS radio, and a few weeks later I'm seeing this poster, and I'm like, What's going on here? Who are these guys? And and from that moment on, I had to know anything and everything about this band. And as it turns out, that same friend had just seen the Alive 2 show in January okay. of 78 at the Civic Arena. So um, he had all these souvenirs. He had a story from the show. His uncle was best friends with Hank Schmel. And if you look on the inside of Kiss Alive 2, you'll see the director of special effects is Hank Schmel. So the guy okay. blowing up all that stuff on stage was friends with my friend's uncle. Okay. So it really was a weird circle the way it all worked out, but um, I've got stories upon stories upon stories to tell you. Um, so let's move on to your next question. Yeah, let me, this this might sound like a strange question, but I look at the Australian Pink Floyd and Brit Floyd who do pretty large venues. I mean, I look at mm-hmm. Brit Floyd is playing the O2 Arena in England. Right. Would would it be fair to say that at some point Kiss hanging it up would be a huge boost for your band? Because at that point, 
you are the only kiss experience or you are you know the top you know the the best of the best of the tribute experience i mean does that make sense yeah you know yeah it, it, it makes sense um you know john i don't know if if i'd want to see something that wasn't what i fell in love with and grew up with mm-hmm. um you know can you put four guys in the makeup and can you put a production behind them and make it look like kiss of course you could do that but i really do believe that if the performers don't have it in their hearts they don't have the music in their veins and that they're certainly not fans of the band that they're paying tribute to mm-hmm. the the fans coming to the show will see right through that in a heartbeat mm-hmm. and i would not want to be part of something that the fans came and thought was a mockery as opposed to a tribute to Kiss, for instance. I would love the opportunity to be invited to audition for it. Of course. Sure. I I think I could go toe-to-toe with any guy on the planet that thinks he can portray Paul. Right. Uh, Some of these guys, they, they they either go way too overboard or they clearly don't get it. And not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I fall right in the middle. And um, that's all I want. I I just I want to be recognized as a really respectful portrayal of Paul Stanley because he he really does embody the what I consider to be, you know, one of the, the greatest front men ever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, it, it, I think oftentimes it's overlooked almost because, you know, you have four personalities in that band, you know. But uh, I think a lot of times when I, if I were to put him up against a Page or a Roth or whoever you want to put in that boat, I, I, you know, I could argue from songwriting, which, you know, some of the, you know, guys that I mentioned don't necessarily write songs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the best. I mean, and his voice, you know, is... is second to none in you know in the prime of his career obviously it's you know it doesn't quite sing as high as he used to but neither does Rob Halford or you know many other singers at this point uh, but um, so as far as is a show and, and I, I don't want to pick up your whole evening um, do you guys do roughly 90 minutes or how, how long of a show are we looking at for, for folks we do our average show is two hours it's 120 okay. minutes usually straight through. And we just did one this past Friday night here in Sandusky, Ohio, and it was 90 minutes. And, you know, that kind of goes by pretty quick. Uh, But we played for about 1,500 people, and it was a really, really great show. So uh, we're we're performing Friday night here in Cleveland, and then we're coming into Irwin to play Saturday night. So this is going to be a great weekend of KISS for all of us. We we get excited about this. We've had a lot of time off uh, recently over the past couple of months, and you know it's just the way the um, it's the way the rock rolls, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in this in this business. You know, I try to do as much business as I can, depending on who is interested in buying our band. And sure. you know, some shows aren't going to stick, and some will. So you know, um, some people don't like the price, and some people think, hey, that's right in my ballpark. Let's go. So. Uh, you know, I, yeah. that harkens back to one of your earlier questions were about the legal issues about, um, I mm-hmm. think I totally answered that question for you wrong, but um, do we have any repercussions from that? No. Uh, 
But I, I have heard um, Paul Stanley say on an NPR interview that, you know, if, if Kiss tribute bands start making a little bit too much money, then that's when meetings are going to have to start to take place. And yeah. I, for one, as the leader of Mr. Speed, never want to have a meeting set up with Paul Stanley. So yeah, as, long I, as, I, I can keep, as long as I can keep that from happening, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I'm sure it would be nice to meet on some other topic, but not on, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, right? you make, you're making too much money. I, of course, <laughs> based on what your costume cost alone, I mean, I, I'm sure your profit and loss statement probably kind of blends out at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's, yeah, because we everything we do is out of pocket. There's no one financing hmm. Mr. Speed except the members themselves. We've never had anyone put uh, sponsorship into the band. We've never had exclusivity with any agent. I've been right. the sole agent of this band for 22 years. So if if Paul Stanley wants to come and take a little bit of money that we make on the weekends, you know, out of my pocket, then he's going to come and do it. But, you know, I think when it's all said and done, um, Mr. Speed is going to be a KISS tribute band that pays the ultimate respect to KISS within the financial means of the members of this band and within the hearts that beat inside of each of, each one of us. That's That sounds awesome. Rich, I want to thank you um, for so much. You, you'll be in on the 11th to do a show in Irwin at the Lamp. We'll have links on our website, and uh, we look forward to you guys getting in the Pittsburgh area more in the future. Well, John, it's not like we don't try. I mean, I've tried it with a couple of different places there, and uh, specifically like Stage AE or Jurgles out in Wexford, places mm-hmm. like this. These these folks, um, either they don't want to pay the money or they're not interested. So, you know, um, maybe you could put a, a bug in someone's ear for us, and, and, you know, hopefully we'll see you at the show on Saturday night. It would be nice to meet you. That would be awesome. All right. Thank you again from Rich from Mr. Speed. They're going to be at the Lamp on the 11th of June. Again, uh, June 17th at the Elter Bar, uh, Gene the Werewolf will be debuting their album. And uh, the night before, on the 16th, Jurgles Rhythm Grill, Bobby Blotzer of Rat. So if you're into that kind of fun sort of party rock, uh, three great shows, we thought we'd kind of lump them all together because they're all coming up very soon. We thought you'd enjoy uh, the similarities between the bands. And obviously they're quite different in a lot of respects, but good chance to get out and see some great fun rock and roll for the first couple weeks of uh, summer so hope you enjoyed it you can find out more information about us at ironcityrocks.com facebook twitter instagram and youtube all of them are forward slash iron city rocks we love to hear from you ironcityrocks at gmail.com or you can hit us up on facebook send us a message we respond to each and every one uh, we love to get your input on what you love about the show what you hate about the show anything in between Until next time, thank you for listening.